Hello and welcome to the Madras Mayday podcast. Madras Mayday is a festival and business expo which celebrates the equality in music and enables artists from different backgrounds to come together with a collective conscious. The podcast will cover various aspects pertaining to building an inclusive, diverse and equal music ecosystem. This series is powered by the British Council. Hello everybody, good afternoon. It's 4 p.m. Indian time on this fine evening in Chennai. Welcome to the Madras Made a podcast and I'm really excited for you to listen in on this very special conversation we have for you today. My name is Ofro and I'm the co-founder of Madras Made. I'm also a music producer and a culture vulture and today we will dive headfirst into a conversation about internet currency for artists with some industry experts. We have with us today Chris Cook, the founder and managing director of a company called CMU. and madan gauri arguably one of the most successful youtubers in india our two esteemed speakers have joined us on this episode of madras made a podcast to discuss the current landscape of the music business on the internet at this juncture madras made i would like to thank our cultural partner british council for their continued support in the arts space and for making this conversation between our indian and uk speakers come to life In this podcast series we hope to better understand and navigate the independent music space and cultural landscapes of the digital sphere. Hi Chris and Madan it's great to have you both on this episode. Uh would you like to give our listeners a little bit about what you do and your involvement in the art space starting with Chris. Yeah hello there it's great to be here. So as I said my name's Chris Cook and I run a company in the UK based out of London called CMU and we say that we exist to help people navigate and understand the music business so we do that in a number of different ways so first of all we're media we have a daily bulletin and a podcast and a website aimed at people working in music but i mean that's anybody working in music so that's artists and songwriters at every level of their career labels publishers promoters agents people working in the live space etc and we're here to help people keep up to date with all the things that are happening in the music business all the things that are changing as well as our media we do lots of training courses we do lots of research we present at lots of events around the world we work with lots of organizations like the british council in running workshops and events and so on and so forth i've also written a book which is relevant to today's topic called dissecting the digital dollar which basically sets out to explain how the streaming music business works it's very complicated for all sorts of tedious reasons and so the book tries to explain in as simple terms as possible how it works and how as an artist or songwriter you can get paid when your music is streamed excellent thank you chris for sharing that with us uh, how about you madan give us a little bit about yourself oh hello everyone i'm madan gauri you might have called me uh, you have, you must have already heard me saying hello everyone probably a few times before if you were someone from south india watching youtube videos so yeah, i am a youtuber and uh, before 2 years i quit my main job i was actually a marketing analyst i quit my it job to become a youtuber so that's kind of uh, a reverse migration that happened there for me uh, so yeah and i have been in the business for the past 4 uh, years overall and uh, my stint with music is actually very less it's not really much i did one song with uh, rapper arivu who is now uh, you know in huge fame after enjoy enjami 
so i made a song with him for uh, the song's name was monkeys with 5g and uh, next i'm also working on a few songs and i'm also working on one with uh, ofro so that's one information that most of you might not know yeah so but otherwise i feel irrespective of its music or any content on internet the rules are going to be pretty much the same so i thought i would be also be able to add some uh, information to this discussion excellent there you have it folks uh, you've heard it from chris and madan and madan you've heard it from madan that uh, ofro and madan are going to be working on a song in the future i'm very excited about that uh, it's been in a very secretive discussion this entire time and now it's out there so everybody knows um so i guess now we can get straight into our discussion uh, starting with uh, how has the last year been for you chris Oh, it's been an interesting year for obvious reasons, um, because normally at CMU, although we're based in the UK, we present at events all around the world and conferences all around the world. We work at British Council on a number of their workshops and events, you know, meeting and, and talking with artists and songwriters and music industry people in countries all over the place. And obviously, 12 months ago, that all stopped. So <laughs> we, we have not been traveling. We've been not going to other countries. Although that said, a lot of what we do was online already. So obviously all of our media is online. We did do some of our training online prior to last March, but since last March, we've gone completely online. So we are now running webinars ourselves as CMU, but also with all of our partners as well. So most weeks I will be doing two or three webinars or panel discussions online. And it's not quite the same as being in the same room, but that said, the upside is that our audience is now a global audience. Pretty much every training course we do, I mean, first of all, just here in the UK, the UK music industry has traditionally been very London centric. A lot happens in London, but there are brilliant artists all over the country. And that's always meant that if you are in Glasgow or Manchester or Bristol, you felt you had a bit of a disadvantage because the industry, not all of it, but a lot of it is in London. The minute we go online, that problem no longer exists. And then more than the UK. Most of our events, we have people tuning in from all over the world. So that's been exciting that we've been able to do that. The flip side is when I go and do my workshops on how copyright works or how streaming works in other countries, I like the bit where I sit down in the lunch break and I chat to artists and songwriters and producers in that country. Because one thing that fascinates me is what challenges are the same all over the world? if you're an artist or songwriter or producer, and what challenges are unique to one country. And I suppose online, it's harder to replicate that kind of informal conversation. So although there are upsides to everything we've done over the last year being online, there are downsides too. And I'm looking forward to COVID restrictions finally lifting, we hope, at some point this year, so travel can begin again. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that with us, Chris. In fact, one of the points that you mentioned is that in the UK, uh, a lot of the music industry is London-centric and uh, the areas surrounding London don't seem to get that much attention. I think there is a very similar issue even inside Tamil Nadu. And uh, Madan is someone who's actually breaking those, broken those barriers and uh, reached the whole of Tamil Nadu and included other parts of uh, uh, of Tamil Nadu, in, uh, has brought, it, brought other parts of Tamil Nadu into the conversation. So Madan, how, how has this last year been for you? Uh, how has it been different from 2019? How has 2020 been different? 2020 was, of course, an interesting year for everyone. And uh, till March, 
my graph was uh, you know an average growth i had till march uh, after march since i make one video every day about current issues that's happening around my channel grew exponentially after march but ironically my revenue fell exponentially you know because there were no advertisers everyone were watching my videos but i was not making any money out of it so it was an interesting phase and uh, even now even now, almost after a year it's march again uh, i won't say we have fully recovered from uh, the financial slump the digital market had but yeah we are making a recovery now and while we are making a recovery i can see that cases are again increasing in india so i don't know where this would lead to but yeah we are in a uh, interesting times that's what i would say 2020 was definitely a learning curve for me about uh, i was making videos in chennai chennai is the capital of tamil nadu so that's where uh, i was making videos right but uh, during lockdown uh, i came home to madurai my native which is almost uh, 500 kilometers away from chennai and for the past one year i realized that i need not necessarily be in chennai to make content i can be in madurai and still be watched by millions of people and that's exactly what i have been doing that's that's a very big learning curve for me actually thank you for thank you for sharing that with us madan like uh, it was a very it's very interesting i actually heard this from other creators as well that that the traffic on their content increased last year but their revenue did uh, take a hit uh, the revenue uh, fell the revenue fell forget taking a hit it fell <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so, so on that note, Chris, uh, Chris has actually authored a book called uh, "Dissecting the Digital Dollar." Uh, so, uh, what, 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 what has your experience uh, been with the internet currency for artists, Chris, and especially with respect to this uh, monetization slump that 2020 that all digital creators faced? I suppose the the interesting thing, when we look at it from a COVID perspective, is that. in those countries which are generally sort of the more traditional big music markets where subscription streaming so streaming services like spotify and apple music and amazon music where people are paying to stream now obviously spotify has both a free version and a paid for version but in markets like the uk the us a lot of europe there are now significant numbers of paying subscribers on those services as well as the free users And the interesting thing last year was when it comes to payments subscriptions nothing really changed actually subscriptions continued to go up you could argue in some countries the number of people subscribing was increasing because people were at home they wanted access to more interactive content and so more people were signing up so for the record industry that bit of the music industry that's in recorded music not live music not merchandise but recorded music in those countries where subscription streaming is the biggest revenue generator actually they were basically covid proof they were making as much money actually the amount of money coming in was increasing but i think there were two two sides to that which is first of all in those countries where ad funded streaming is the norm and and so whether that's spotify free whether that's soundcloud whether that's you know youtube Facebook, Instagram, etc. Where you're relying on advertising income, yeah, as soon as COVID hit, all the ad agencies put all their campaigns on hold because nobody knew what was going on. So we had several months where there was no advertising money. So those people relying on ad income saw a hit. Meanwhile, even in places like the UK, the US, much of Europe, there were plenty of artists for whom actually recorded music doesn't make them much money. 
either because they're just an artist that don't get millions of streams for whatever reason. They can sell out big venues, but they're not big streaming artists. Or they've done deals with record companies where the record company invested a load up front in marketing, etc., which means that currently the label takes most of the streaming money, not the artist. So even in countries like the UK, the US and Europe, where the record industry has done fine, plenty of artists had an incredibly challenging year. And likewise, online, they did lots of really interesting, exciting stuff, some live streaming. They were talking to their fans more than ever. But, you know, many people on the brink financially, because unless you're getting a decent share of that subscription money from Spotify, etc., it was a really tricky year. The, thank you for sharing that, Chris. Um, in fact, uh, the um, um, Madan Gauri being a one-man powerhouse of uh, content creation for YouTube, um, I, I'm I'm aware that YouTube also has a subscription model with YouTube Premier and and things like. That. But uh, what um, uh, although Madan Gauri's content is strictly not music, he's uh, Madan. You still have to deal with the same monetization and copyright issues that music creators have to deal with. Uh, so, uh, how has your experience been with the monetization um, on YouTube, uh, especially with regard to um, from advertising revenue versus uh, subscription revenue? Uh, first, when it comes to copyright, uh, I would take it. Two different topics first one copyright when it comes to copyright uh i talk i generally talk i don't uh, you know make uh, any songs so i am copyright proof is uh, that that is a model i built intentionally because what many do not know is before having a youtube page i had a facebook page so that was before uh 2014 or 15 no no actually before 2016 i had a facebook page so that was one of my fun projects where I used to post anything that I find, you know, I used to reshare, I used to re-upload before knowing what actually internet regulations were, what internet rules were about copyright. I didn't know any of these things. So that was just start of internet and that all of us would have done, done that at some point. And even I used to do that. Uh, I remember that the page name was something about a movie. I, I made a fan page for a movie. I used to upload their songs and everything. What happened was one day after uh, I did that for almost an year and there were almost 25,000 people who liked the page. And then uh, there were multiple copyright strikes on a single night and the next day morning I didn't see the page. That's like 25,000 people gone and 25,000 was a humongous number for me before four years. Uh, I remember it was December 31st night. So I was heartbroken. I was like, oh my God, 25,000 is gone. 25,000 is crazy number for me back then. So even though I didn't make any content on my own, still it was something that I created that had 25,000 people. So it was a watershed moment for me. From that day, I realized oh, make anything that no one can climb. So that has been my mantra. And yeah, after that, if you look at my videos, there will not be a single additional music. You know, That's very intentional. Whatever it is, the sound should be very original. The videos are not copyrighted based on their video. They actually cop they are looped or they are... Uh, tracked through the audio so i was very sure about even when i recently i made a trip to dubai so when i was in the when i was in uh, burj khalifa in the lift there was some uh, hollywood song playing immediately i started blabbering something so that the hollywood music won't be recorded in the video which might lead me to a copyright so that's how much uh, copyright has entrenched in my uh, veins now <laughs> so yeah we have to be very careful about it and uh, you can't blame the companies too because it's their work end of the day now Becoming a creator myself, I can understand 
how it might feel if someone is just going to re-upload my video and get a lot of views or you know it's not cool so that's something we have to learn i think the education about copyright issues is something that almost all creators should know and the next thing uh what was the other thing that we, we were the, uh, uh copyright was one thing and uh, monetization on youtube uh the whole subscribers versus uh, uh advertising revenue so yeah so the ad in my youtube channel there is an option called join so youtube has now started giving that option called join where you there were audience can become your channel members the only difference between subscribers and members is you have to offer a set of additional perks to the members so that has been going on but to be honest it's not really a big hit in india like even the people who are members in my channel are mostly from outside the country the whole concept of uh paying for a content on youtube is not really catching up in now not just in india i don't think it's catching up in many places even if at all it is starting somewhere the trend is starting only in the western part of the world not yet in Asia, the eastern part of the world okay okay excellent well thanks for sharing uh, sharing that with us madan um our listeners they happen to be mostly aspiring creators not just musicians we have uh, we have like a, a multidisciplinary creators uh, who listen to uh, who follow madras mayday um, and they often ask me one question um, do i have any tips on how they can grow their uh, digital presence uh, in this case we have both of you who are better suited than me to answer that question so how would you guide our listeners to growing their digital presence uh, madan would you like to go first yeah digital presence you know there is no formula to be famous on digital but yeah. you have to be very clear about uh, one thing whatever we do no matter who we are whatever we do the first thing about digital whole concept of being famous or becoming making a living out of digital spaces you have to be deaf to criticism uh love it or not this is this does not apply to just youtubers this applies to everyone right from the biggest star in the world to someone who wants to become a star who's going to start tomorrow be deaf to criticisms that's rule that's rule one you know before in the physical world if you are going to talk somewhere if you are going to have a set of audience in front of you those are people who really like you who are going to be there but in digital love it or not people are going to see you so be deaf to criticism is one basic bedrock on which everything is built on digitally that's one thing i would say second one is be shameless encourage other creators be shameless don't be if if you see a great content feel free to go and interact with them make new collaborations talk to different people that's how you learn and the third thing is understand that the kids who are starting after you might be actually smarter than you that's something that i have learned recently <laughs> so kids these days these days are very smart they are uh, they are much more knowledgeable in the whole you know internet space than I, i think all three of us sitting here someone who is in school might have more knowledge about this understand the fact and uh, try to learn more from them than from the previous generation because they know more about digital than the previous generation uh, your audience are you have to be very clear about your audience like for me my audience i know they are they are children they are they are younger than me i know that uh, and also family audience i don't target the uber cool audience of my age i know that's not my audience i am very clear about my audience and i shamelessly learn from them that these are three things you know uh, and the fourth one last thing i would say is persistence whatever you do do it continuously
yeah these are just four things i would say there there you have it a great some some few great tips from madan gauri um let me uh, help me through this if i i'm going to repeat uh, what i just heard so one be shameless in supporting other creatives uh two be deaf to criticism and uh, three we got to, as creators we have to wise up to the younger and the next generation because they I are mean, smart i mean for me yeah it is my audience i know that but whomever yeah. your audience is learn from them because audience are smarter that's what i'm trying to say yes and the final point being perseverance don't quit keep going persistence sorry persistence that's it thanks for sharing that uh, with us uh, madan um what about chris uh, chris how would you guide our listeners to growing their digital presence so i would probably reinforce quite a lot of what has already been said but let's i'm just going to quick say some stuff about copyright that we've already talked about i know but i think as a creator as we've already said be aware of this thing called copyright which is this legal principle that exists in most countries that gives creative people control over what happens to the output of their creativity and yes as a youtube creator you should be aware of copyright in two different ways first of all be aware you are a copyright owner okay the minute you start creating videos there is a copyright in that video now quite how it works varies from country to country but the general principle is the minute you create that video or you write a song or you record a track there's copyright in that content and you are almost certainly the owner depending on whether or not you've done any deals with other people or involved other people but you're probably the copyright owner so be aware of your rights i think sometimes on the internet we think of copyright as being that annoying thing that gets content blocked or makes websites go down but actually as a creator it's helping you but yes you then need to wear of other people's copyright so if you are putting other people's music into your videos or if you're reacting to tv shows and movies and you're putting clips into your video you're using other people's copyright material now it may be that the way you're using it is allowed under copyright law in america there's this principle called fair use which actually only applies in the us there are similar narrower concepts elsewhere but you know for example if you show a little bit of a movie in order to critique the movie to review it you're actually allowed to do that without getting the copyright owner's permission but generally when you use other people's content you ultimately do need their permission the way youtube works is if you put somebody else's music into a youtube video youtube alerts the label that released that music and it says your music's been used in this video do you want to block it because as a copyright owner you can or do you want to monetize it and that's the key point we were alluding to earlier because the label can say yeah actually I'll monetize that video but the minute a label monetizes the video now you can't monetize the video so any ad income generated by that video is now going to go to the label not to the youtube creator so that's you know being aware of your copyright and of other people's copyright as well there are ways to navigate that there is what we call production or library music that you can license to use in youtube videos that won't get claimed so there's a company called epidemic sound in europe that 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 offers music specifically with youtube creators in mind so first of all the copyright element and then the other two things i would quickly talk about is monetization and and growing your audience and again i'm kind of going to repeat what's already been said but in terms of yeah how will you make money out of your content and there are different ways you can make money as a creator and some people predominantly make money one way some people predominantly make money another way some people have lots of ways that they make money which together bringing in enough cash it varies from creator to creator it varies from country to country so i know in europe for example in the early days 
the early YouTubers made decent money from advertising. And then the competition went up. And there's now so many people watching videos on YouTube and so many people creating. Actually, it's, it's not so much that there were more people watching. That's a good thing. There were more people creating, which means the advertising money is being shared out more and more between more creators. So a lot of European YouTubers who used to make a living out of their YouTube channel from ad money can't anymore. And so we've started to see, for example, maybe there's a service called Patreon. I don't know how big that is in India, where a small part of your audience can commit to actually pay to get access to behind the scenes content or priority access content. So a lot of YouTubers will have 100,000 people, half a million people streaming their videos and they make a little bit of money from YouTube advertising. And then 300 people who pay them $10 a month. And actually they make more out of the Patreon bit, the super fans, than they do out of the ad income. So it's working out what's your business model. Um, and then obviously, the more people you can have in your audience, the easier that business model is going to be. And I would come, I would agree with collaboration. I think online, the best way to grow an audience is to collaborate with other creators because you reach their audience, they reach your audience and everybody's a winner. So understand copyright, work out what your monetization is going to be and collaborate, I guess. Excellent. Thank you for that, Chris. So to, uh, to reiterate what you've just said, uh, number one, be aware of your copyright and other people's copyright. And you, you can use services like Epidemic Sound to get um, uh, license uh, royalty-free music. Uh, the number two, be aware of your business model, which whatever it may be, uh, whether Patreon is part of your uh, monetization ecosystem. And number three, uh, build collaborations to grow your audience. I think that's excellent advice for um, for our listeners. Thank you for sharing your thoughts with us, Chris. On to our next question. The cultural sphere is in the era of algorithmic recommendations, machine learning, artificial intelligence, and big data. So my question to you, Chris, is are algorithms the new gatekeepers in the digital sphere? To an extent, yes. Um, and I think if we look at music specifically certainly a service like spotify has invested heavily in its algorithm in recent years they still have human curators there are still playlists on the spotify platform that are put together by human beings but the algorithm is ever more important and obviously we know on facebook instagram in particular the algorithm is incredibly powerful and really you need to spend money with Facebook and Instagram to, to really work that algorithm and get your money, uh, your content out there, I should say. And on YouTube as well, the, the algorithm in terms of what you're seeing in the sidebar when you're watching a video, what's coming up in your feed when you open the app, that is being driven by an algorithm. And obviously the tech companies will say, this is about personalizing the experience. It's about you know allowing people to discover content amongst the millions, if not billions of, of tracks and videos that are available. So from a user perspective, it's important. But yeah, as a creator, that means that as well as any organic stuff you do, there is an element of trying to learn how does the algorithm work? What kinds of content kick the algorithm? What kinds of captions and tags kick the algorithm? What should I be encouraging my fans to do to kick the algorithm? And I'm sort of of two minds. I think on one level, you should be aware of that. And certainly if you get a team around you, like a label when it comes to music or, or you know other management when it comes to being a, a more general YouTube creator, having an awareness of that algorithm is good. 
the flip side is I think you can become too obsessed by the algorithm and and be, you know, sort of, you know, doing those. Um, well, on YouTube, people title their videos, don't they, in a way that they think will will pull people in and drive the algorithm. And then sometimes it's like actually the content doesn't match the title. And I think you're potentially going to annoy some of your audience by trying to play the algorithm. And when it comes to that idea of the super fan, can we actually make more money out of the super fan through Patreon, through subscriptions, through merchandise, through VIP experiences? You don't want to annoy your super fans. So I think it's be aware of the algorithm, be aware of the tricks you can employ to sort of, you know, inform the algorithm, but then don't let it completely take over your creativity. Make great content that you're excited about rather than content that you think will impress an algorithm. Excellent. Um, thanks for sharing that with us, Chris. So uh, I guess click. it's safe to say clickbait titles are a good way to manipulate the algorithms or are, are rather one of the ways used to manipulate our algorithms. But it doesn't always work. So we shouldn't entirely be dependent on just trying to manipulate algorithms. Uh, Madan, what has your experience been with understanding these algorithms uh, that are responsible for how much reach that your, your content has? I believe... Uh, YouTube often updates these algorithms. So how do you keep yourself updated? YouTube's algorithm works in one simple way. Show the content that people will click. I'm looking at it from an audience perspective. For any creator, the best thing to do is look from audience perspective. So when I started making YouTube videos before three years or four years, I used to you know, uh, find a way through the algorithm. What I used to do is, uh, if there is something really big happening, I would use that in my SEO. I would, I would put those tags. I would make those titles. If the content is not great, people are not going to watch it. No matter how much you try to, you know, get your way through SEO, algorithm knows. Okay, this guy's video. Maybe the algorithm will learn this in the first thousand clicks. The video we are showing this video. People are clicking, but they are not watching enough. Which means, okay, this is. A video that you need not really concentrate on, throw it in the dumpster. So that that the algorithm and as YouTube updates every version of their algorithm, the only goal for them is to give content that is most relevant to the audience. So the simple thing to do is rather than trying to find a way through the algorithm, just give great content and the algorithm will push your content. Excellent. Thanks. Uh, thanks for that uh, insight. I guess uh, both uh, uh, Madan and Chris uh, agree that... Um, uh, our, our, our creation should not be from the standpoint of uh, of what the algorithm wants us to do. Um, uh, I think that's great advice. Another question that we repeatedly get from our listeners is uh, partnerships and brand building. Do they go hand in hand with each other? Uh, as creators in the digital space, how important is it for us creators to build teams and create partnerships uh, so that we can build the whole uh, brand. Um, Chris, would you like to go first? I would say in the music industry specifically, um, obviously what's brilliant about being a music maker in 2021 versus 20 years ago is you can do so much more on your own. You can get things going. You can get content out there. You can get your music on SoundCloud and on YouTube. You can very easily get your music on Spotify and Apple and you know and and obviously you know in 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 India on services like Ghana and Geo Savant. You know it's 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 
There are websites where you go, you spend a very little bit of money and your music is basically side by side with all the superstars and all the major music companies all over the world. And you can begin the fan base building process by using the social media platforms, etc. So you can do so much more on your own. The industry therefore expects you to do that. So <laughs> the downside of that is these days, whereas 25 years ago, you know, the industry would sign artists really early on because there was only so much an artist could do beyond playing some local shows and maybe making a demo tape. There wasn't much the artists could do on their own, whereas now there is. So the industry expects artists to get that process going. That said, I think as an artist in the music world, you will reach a point where you can't do it on your own. And you will need to put a team around you. I think that begins with collaborators. I think sometimes people are obsessed about how do I get a label? How do I get a manager? Actually, your first partners are going to be other creators, whether that's artists, songwriters, producers, video makers. It's, it's that creative collaboration that, that initially will, will get your business growing. But you probably will at some point want to start working with managers, agents, labels and publishers. Now, quite how that works does vary from country to country depending on which revenue streams are the dominant revenue streams. So in the UK, you would probably start off with management. And then once you've got management on board, you'd probably then be looking for an agent on the live side and then probably a label to help you ramp up the recorded side of what you're doing. I think in other markets where maybe brand deals are more important, sponsorship deals are more important, then it's getting management who have the brand connections on, on board as soon as possible. I think it's interesting in the sort of the YouTuber space, that more people do keep going on their own for longer because I think there's possibly slightly less complexities behind the scenes just because it's a newer industry that you can do more on your own in that space. Although, again, collaborations are key. And I think ultimately you probably will want to start getting partners on board once there's enough money to share out. Because it's amazing how much creative work ends up with a spreadsheet and and. Who wants to spend their life doing spreadsheets? So, so there will always be some work where it's like, do you know what? I don't like doing this. I'm not the best person to do this. Now's time to build my team and to, and to offload some of these work to people who are better at that other activity. Excellent. Thank, uh, thank you, Chris. I guess uh, I guess what you're saying is uh, creative collaborations and building creative teams around you is the key. Uh, on that note, someone like Madan is a one-man one man brand company everything he produces his own videos he markets his own videos it's i guess the his only partner is youtube uh, and i i suppose in the re, in recent times madan has been collaborating with other creators as well uh, me being one of them in the future uh, so what do madan what do you feel about uh, building teams and partnerships and your whole youtube experience and how you've been a one man army MG Army. Uh, so yeah, uh, I am the one person who creates content. I don't have any partners for it. But I have a business partner other than YouTube. So actually there is a company called uh, Monk Entertainment. So they are based out of Mumbai. So, so they bring me uh, integrations for my channel. Oh. I... So yeah, they are behind the scenes. They take care of my PR. They take care of my, uh, you know. The media work. Excellent. And, uh, and is that something work. that you've been doing uh, very recently? And how how long have you have? Right. Yeah, okay. very recently. This like uh, it, it ha started happening during a lockdown when I realized I cannot be relying on YouTube revenue because it can oh, fall excellent. any day. So I started you went this. from uh, having YouTube as your primary partner to now um, think uh, 
finding more affiliate partners and uh, building an ecosystem around that. Yeah, YouTube will be my only partner any day as in the prime one. But uh, Monk is someone who brings me integrations for my YouTube. Like they also help me. And uh, even uh, YouTube, people whom, who manage me in YouTube and uh, the managers whom I have are in good Excellent. Like, Thank, they know uh, each thanks for sharing that with us, Madan. Uh, for our final question, the most important question for all the mu indie musicians out there. In this 2021 landscape of music and video streaming platforms, social networks, and uh, even um, new burgeoning uh, monetization methods for artists such as like uh, non-fungible tokens, NFTs and such, um, are labels still relevant in this, in this thing that we are all in? Are labels still relevant? Madan, would you like to answer this first? Yes, labels are relevant. Why do you, uh, why do you doubt. think? Labels, yeah. So the thing is, just like my partner, like I told you, I have a partner for business, right? I can probably find my own integrations. I know I get a ton of emails. I get a ton of messages every day. But the thing is, I should then go through all of this, filter out whom to integrate, make all the business deals, talk, and finally get a discussion, and then sit down, finalize everything, and get it live, get it reviewed. I cannot be doing all this process. I will lose making content time. So instead, I have someone who takes care of this. Label is something very similar. That's how I look at it. Creators create content and label enables them to reach out to much wider audience. They charge a premium for that. That's how it works. That's how I look at labels. Yes, labels enable you to reach Excellent. a wider so, audience. Uh, so you would say that like uh, that uh, your man, your label is working with you as a management rather than... Uh, uh, uh yes as as the management mostly but uh you own the content of and uh, uh, you you own the complete creative independence in whatever you feel like doing yes because uh the same video any song that goes live on a very small channel and probably the biggest channel in the world has the same potential to reach everyone that's how algorithm works algorithm does not discriminate based on subscribers it doesn't matter how many subscribers a channel has it doesn't matter how many songs a channel has. All that matters is how good the song is. So what a label does is reduce the work that a creator might go through to get it published. That's where labels become Excellent. Really I think that's a, that's a good insight uh, on labels in 2021 or how we need to perceive labels in 2021. Chris, what are your thoughts on the relevance of the labels today in the digital landscape? I mean, basically, I would agree. I mean, I think just to reiterate, what you need as a creator at some point is business partners. You need people on your team. And what those business partners are depends on the kind of content you're creating, the kind of audience you're trying to reach. In music, you need people to help you build your network, to grow your fan base. And with so much music and even more great content just flooding onto the internet every day, competition is fierce and it's fiercer than it ever has been in, in, in history. And so you need people on your team. So the question is, well, okay, well, what can label bring to your team? And I guess labels would traditionally bring distribution to get your music to market. Well, we know we can do that DIY. So, so um, the value of distribution is probably lower. 
we, if, unless you're doing physical still, I mean, there are still some artists in the UK for whom selling CDs or vinyl is still a part of their business. But for lots of artists, it's not. So, so you can access digital distribution on your own. But I would say things like marketing and contacts and building your network and building your fan base are all areas where labels can still deliver huge value, partly because they have money. And, and sometimes what you actually need is just someone to write a check and, and to give you some money and to allow you to focus on your music full time and to spend money on Facebook and Instagram advertising and, and all of those sorts of things. So sometimes they're bringing money to the table, but they're also bringing expertise and contacts. Digital marketing is another data thing. It's about looking at all the data that's coming in across all the platforms. And what a label has is not just data about your music, they have data about all of their roster's music. And the value of that data across 30, 40, 50 artists is so much more than for a single artist. So there's lots of things labels bring to the table, but obviously they want something in return. And a classic record deal is they want ownership of the sound recording copyright and then the majority of the revenue that comes in from that recording. The argument being, but by growing your fan base, you can still make money out of live, out of the, the copyright in your songs, out of merchandise, brand partnerships, etc. And I guess as an artist, you just have to make a decision at a certain point in your career. What do you need and what are you willing to give up? And I think the key thing is now there are so many more choices. There are so many more ways you can structure your business, which on one way is incredibly liberating and exciting. The flip side is we need more education because, because how do you make those choices? Now, here in the UK, I would say when it comes to a label deal that involves assigning copyright, you shouldn't be making those decisions without at the very least a lawyer um, and probably a manager. And here in the UK, the system is set up that there are lots of music lawyers and lots of artist managers out there who can get involved at that stage. But I think, yeah, it's an education thing. It's, there's so many choices for you to make. The challenge is how do you know what the right choice is? And, and that's about educating yourself about copyright, about monetization, about fan base building, so that when those choices are available to you, you can make the right decision. Excellent. Thanks for that, Chris. So there you have it. Um, in 2021, labels are more relevant than they were before, I suppose, not in terms of distribution, uh, not in terms of trying to creatively control your content, but definitely in terms of uh, uh, analyzing data, marketing your content and uh, um, and and uh, mainly allowing the creator to focus on the creating on creating. Uh, so that they take your the uh, take take your hands off of uh, all the the heavy lifting uh, in the back end of the business. Um, thank you for sharing that with that, Chris and Madan. Um, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Madras May Day podcast. I would like to thank you both heaps for joining us in this conversation. I'm sure our listeners will benefit from this as much as I have. Before I let you go. Would you like to make any closing remarks and if possible, provide learning resources to aid our listeners in their journey as creators? Chris, would you like to go first? Yeah, so I would just probably give a few plugs to some resources that you can access at our end. So if you go to our website, which is completemusicupdate.com, uh, first of all, you can access all of our news coverage and sign up to our podcast and our daily bulletin. But actually, we have a thing called the CMU Library. And in the CMU Library, there are various resources that you can download, some of which are free. For example, with the digital dollar book that I mentioned, although you can you can buy the book, the full book, but some of the guides at the back of the book, you can actually download for free 
from our website. The other thing I would quickly mention is we have teamed up with the Intellectual Property Office here in the UK, and we're literally launching, as we speak, a new guide called Music Copyright Explained. And it's a free guide that you can download that explains the basic of music copyright. Now, copyright differs around the world, and this is very much from a UK perspective, but actually most of the basic principles would equally apply in India and elsewhere as it does in the UK. So musiccopyrightexplained.com, you can access that free guide and that will give you that knowledge we talked about, about copyright, which I think is really important to have as a creator, both in terms of your own copyright and the other copyright material that you're using. If you download that guide, as I say, although it comes from a UK perspective, it will give you a basic understanding of what you need to know. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. I'm sure I'm sure the CMU library is a is a is a is a reservoir of info of information for young artists. I'm going to personally go look it up uh, right after this call. Uh, Madan, would you like to make any closing remarks to our listeners and uh, provide any learning resources for them? Uh, I'm not someone who's technically very sound to provide, you know, uh, you know learning resources as Chris, but uh, you know, creating content, it's not just about creating content. It's about relationships you have around. It's about people you have around. It's how you manage a team. So one of the greatest books that I read that changed my journey over the past four years, in fact, something that pushed me into the digital space and gave me the confidence that I can do this was a, a book by Walter E. Saxon and the book's name is Steve Jobs. It's a biography of Steve Jobs' life as he dictated during his last few months to Walter E. Saxon. You can probably read about it. Uh, I don't know. People say a book changes your life. That's one book that changed my life forever. So that worked for me. If you think uh, it might work for you, excellent. You Thank you. Thank you for that recommendation. Um, I am definitely, for one, putting that on Amazon immediately. Uh, because if if a book, uh, 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 there have been books that have. Uh, that have inspired me to do things that um, in hindsight, I would have never been able to do if it weren't for those books. Um, in fact, I'm reading this one book right now called The Tanning of America, how hip hop uh, impacted the economy of, uh, impact, impacted the global economy. So on that note, um, uh, this brings us to the end of another episode of this podcast. Thank you heaps to Madan Gauri and Chris Cook for sharing these valuable tips with us and joining us in this indie music revolution. Uh, it was really good to see you guys. Thanks uh, for this wonderful conversation. Have a wonderful evening and take care. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.